Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. As we get ready to jump into Acts 11, we're going to continue in, in this uh, study that we are on, on this individual, as we know him as Barnabas. And um, it's just going to be special as we look into Barnabas' life. And again, this is week number three. Uh, we are in week three of discussing Barnabas. Um, we know if, if, if you're here today and you have not been here for the last three weeks and you might feel a little lost... I, I always will encourage you to go ahead and go to our podcast. And listen, I'm actually going to tell them to the first one. It, it'll be a little bit confusing. So what I'm going to do in parentheses, I'm going to put Barnabas um, next to each one. So that way you can know which one um, to go into and, and listen to. But go through the last three weeks and, and hear what we've been discussing in regarding Barnabas. So that way you're not too lost and you could catch up. But as, as we've been discussing him for three weeks, we know that he was an, a leader of the early church. And um, we know that his name was not Barnabas. And um, we, we learned in scripture that his name was Joseph. And Barnabas was a name that was given to him actually as a, as a nickname. It was a nickname that was given to him, Barnabas. And that name means son of encouragement. Most of you guys have heard that. But for those that have not heard it, it's son of encouragement. And and Barnabas is, a, is an interesting individual because we know that he, saw, he sold the field and um, the early church was being persecuted and, um, by Rome and, and, they were, and, and, and they were, many of them feared for their lives, but not, not really. Many of them um, feared the Lord and were, were willing to be persecuted for the sake of Christ and, and that's what was happening throughout uh, Jerusalem. And many of the early church members, what they started to do, those that had land and homes, they would sell their land and they would bring the money to the apostles' feet. And the apostles would distribute the money uh, so that the church, would, their needs would be met. So if there was a family that needed and someone else had um, excess stuff, they could help them. And, and Barnabas was one of those who sold his field. He owned the field and he sold it and he gave the money to the apostles. But we also learned that Barnabas was a trusted man. He was a man who could be trusted, a man who could be counted on. Barnabas was a man that, that, that we said last week, and we exhausted it, where he was a good man, right? He was a good man. He, he was someone who was honorable, someone who was filled with joy, someone that in the midst of persecution, the Bible says that his greatest gift was he walks into a town smiling and he's encouraging believers to stay true to the Lord. He's just a good man. He's a good man. And in that, he, he's being sent now by the apostles <coughs> to go to Antioch. Why is he being sent to Antioch? Just summarizing and reviewing with you. It's because there's a revival going on in Antioch and the apostles send Barnabas over there to check out the land, check out what's happening, to give report and because he's really good at it, go and encourage them. Because if they're being saved and transformed, we also know that at any moment, they're also going to be heavily persecuted. So hurry up and go and encourage them 
because they will be persecuted. Does everyone understand that? So Barnabas goes and to Antioch, revival's happening, and he encourages them. You guys are in Acts 11. I want to read the, the verses that, that we could highlight that, that are pretty much the, the highlighted verses to the series of Barnabas that we are on. And it's actually verses 23 and 24 of Acts 11. I just want to read it to you real quick and just follow along with me. And, and just so you could see where this comes from. It says in verse 23, it says that when he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas, verse 24, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say that. Full of the Holy Spirit. And he was strong in faith. Look at the next part. And many... People were what? Were brought to the Lord. That phrase there means came to the reality of Christ being their Savior. The realization of life transformation. Because the Lord wasn't there physically anymore. So being brought to the Lord meant their lives were being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because there was a man named Barnabas who was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many were brought to the Lord. Are you with me? You with me? So last week we discussed this. We discussed what it meant to be a good man. And today what we'll do is we'll spend some time speaking on something very important. And it's this. It's, it's what does it mean? What, what, what does being full, full of the Holy Spirit mean? Full of the Holy Spirit. Because you read Acts 11 and you read Acts 4 and then you read later on, I think it's like Acts 17, I might be confused with that. And what is Barnabas doing in the book of Acts? We don't know much about Barnabas, but what is he doing? We can answer that with one sentence and it's this. This is what he's doing, ready? Being full of the Holy Spirit, he's encouraging believers to stay true to the Lord. Being full of the Holy Spirit, he's doing it. And there was fruit in the life of Barnabas, there was fruit in Barnabas' ministry. And I say this, fruit in his ministry of encouragement. And there was fruit of that. I know there was fruit of that because the Bible tells us that many people were brought to the Lord by his encouragement. Because you won't read anywhere in Acts where, remember week number one, where Barnabas raised a dead man. You never read anywhere in Acts where they were praying in a room and the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues in one room. And you, Barnabas doesn't do any of that. You never read in Acts uh, Barnabas healing someone from leprosy. You never read in Acts necessarily anything that deals with a sign, a wonder, a miracle, none of that. But what you do read is Barnabas steps in with a smile on his face, filled with joy, the Holy Spirit, and a faith that is so strong that he encourages the masses to don't give up. Stay strong in Jesus. It's worth it. That's it. And he's encouraging and he's And people are brought to Jesus by the masses. Because the dude's encouraging. And you thought you needed to have some sort of 
evidential Holy Spirit gifting so that God could use you. And all you might need to do is go to work tomorrow and finally smile. And the person next to you might convert for Jesus. It might be as easy as that. It might just be changing our mindset to be encouraged to encourage others. And that right there might be enough so that someone could come to the same feet that I'm in love with. And offer the same tears that I'm offering. And wiping the same, same way that I'm wiping them. And all you might need is some encouragement today. I know that. Because I see you guys. It's not hard to tell the one that needs a little bit of encouragement. Be encouraged. Find encouragement. And be the encouragement. That's what Barnabas was doing. Amen? And, and this is what struck me in the scripture and has led me to teach this now for weeks. It's, it's what the Lord showed me as I was reading about Barnabas. And I want to share it with you. That Barnabas is a perfect example that his influence comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, which is enough. It's enough. Do not raise your hands, but I want to be very honest. I want, I want you to be very honest with me. How many of you feel, how many of you feel that, that I just feel like God can never use me to that great capacity? Right? Don't raise your hand. I told you not to do that, but because that will be weird. Like, dang, put it on the spot. But how many of you have said that? You said that to me. You said that to others. You said that to the person next to you. Well, God would never be able to use me. I feel like that kind of declaration is an evidence of someone who's not full of the Holy Spirit. Because when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you'll just go and God will open your mouth and use you in whatever arena and space that you occupy. Because that fullness will eventually want to leak out. It's not going to want to stay in there. Do you remember, for example, when, when Mary walked into Elizabeth's house? Yes or no? If it's no, it's cool. Like, that's why we're here. I'm going to tell you anyways. <coughs> well... She walks in pregnant with Jesus, full, I mean really full. <laughs> She's full. She's really full. And, and Elizabeth greets her. And when Elizabeth greets her, it says that John the Baptist, who is in Elizabeth, leaps. And she kind of leaps with it and looks at her and confesses, Blessed are you among women, for inside of you is the son of the living God. <laughs> It's, it's just crazy. Nothing was said to Elizabeth. Nothing was spoken to Elizabeth. Elizabeth hadn't heard anything. What happened to Elizabeth is, come on, she came into confrontation with an encouragement, with an encourager. And inside of her, that encourager leaped something inside of her that brought forth a declaration of encouragement. Before, before me stands the one who will come and save the world. What a declaration of encouragement because she stood in front of the one that was filled with encourager. Man, you see what I'm saying, man? So she leaps. And some of us feel like, well, God can never use me like that. Yes, he can. How? Be full of the Holy Spirit. And then what? Just walk into rooms. And what? People will begin to leap. 
There's something in you. Yeah, there is. His name is Jesus. Do you guys actually feel like that's impossible for you? Man, in the wrong church, man. Come on. Get that in you. His name is Jesus. And he's encouraged the heck out of me. And, and, and I'm, I'm just standing. Be- so that's what happens. Let me get into this because he's a perfect example that his influence comes from that, from the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing else. So for you guys that feel discouraged, like, man, God could never use me in that capacity. That is such a lie. Don't allow your thoughts like that. Don't allow your flesh to lie to you. Don't let, don't let people lie to you. Don't let um, past experiences lie to you. Don't let churches you visited lie to you. Don't let other Christians lie to you. Don't let people that you know. Don't let anything lie to you. All I want you to do is come into contact with God's truth and let God speak truth to you. Let him fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you will begin to see that what you thought was impossible for you to do and become will become so possible in the one who begins to fill you. I just want to stay on this for a moment because because I feel like as encouragement we're here to influence. Influence. Everyone say influence. And, and, And Barnabas is a perfect example of this encouragement, of this influence. There's an influence from him and it comes from the Holy Spirit and that is enough. Barnabas, listen to me for a moment. Barnabas is never Peter. I'm seeing I'm being very serious. Barnabas is never Paul. Just like I'm coming to grips with, I will never be that other man of God. And I will never be that other Christian. God's given me the ability he's given me, and I got to be faithful in that. So I want to stay in this for a second because <clears throat> where does your influence come from? Where is, it, where is it conceived? I shared this past week with the leaders, and I want to share just a thought, a quick thought with you guys. And, and it's, this is what I share with them. That your influence, it should come from Jesus' model that was given to the disciples in Matthew 16. Can I share that with you for a moment? I'm going to share it. He says this in Matthew 16. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, watch, watch this influence. Watch where it's conceived that. Are you ready? Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. Come on, influencers. How many of you can say amen? What a way to influence someone. If any of you want to follow me, any of you want to be my disciple, any of you desires me, you want to run with me, deny yourself, take up your cross and do it. That, I wrote this, that my influence is conceived where I completely reject and disown my own life. That I pick up my cross, that I share the cross with Jesus where I am continually surrendering to all of my ways, losing my life for his glory. Man. <clears throat> so the fishermen, right, because they had a good fishing Export, import business, guess what they had to do? They had to lose the business. Guess what? They dropped their nets. How many of you, some of the things that you're tied to from 9 to 5 is the reason why you haven't been, what, ascending or elevated to the places where God has you? Because as long as you're stationed there and you don't drop those nets, you'll never get to the place where God has you. It could be your 9 to 5 or it could be what you're doing from 5 to 9. But don't deny the 9 to 5 thing too. And don't deny the... The other one, too, when you leave that place. 
Because the fishermen had to let go of their nets. The fishermen had to surrender it all. And I get that's your source of money. But if it's not lifting up something in you and if it's not glorifying the Lord, the Lord is okay with you honoring him with steps of faith. I could speak about that because I've walked out of teaching and I don't know how I'm going to make income, but I'm believing that God is going to provide. I could speak about that and then live in, in, in fear for, for a while until God says, you need to just get into this trust in me stuff. <laughs> you need to really get into this stuff if you're going to really take this step. Is your influence conceived at the place where you just reject your life? Like reject, reject everything. Disown everything. Take that in context. Don't say, don't go home and tell your family, I'm rejecting all of you. <laughs> and I'm disowning the whole family because I'm going to. That is definitely not biblical. <clears throat> no, because the first, your rejection and your disowning all of your life actually is because the first thing that you're to lead effectively is your home. <laughs> so you might have to reject and disown your life so that way you can finally focus at home. But so I just want to make sure you don't go home and leave your family. <laughs> That'll suck. So I want to make sure that you, that you got the right aim. So are you, are you rejecting and disowning your life? Are you picking the cross? Are you sharing that pain with Jesus where I could continually surrender my life and I could lose my life? Why are you losing your life all the time? Because the, wow. Because the more I lose it, the more I find his glory. So I want to live in finding more of his glory. How about if I tell you this? That your um, journey to finding more of his glory is through your commitment and your faithfulness to continue to lose your life. So as you continue to lose your life because you pick up stuff on this path and on this journey, the Lord shows you yet again, good, here's another piece of my glory that you didn't have six months ago because I was waiting for you to let go of that bag. So, so you, we need to think like that. We need to understand things like that. If I lose more of myself each day, less of me, 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 it is the same thing, same thing. If I empty all the fluid that's in a cup, because now the cup can what, again, can be full again with what it needs to be full with. So if I live emptying, he might then be faithful to start filling don't, we cannot get to a place where we blame God for not filling when we have not been faithful and emptying. We can't be that. You can't do that. You can't come to me and say, just God's not filling me because I'm going to look at you and say, it's probably because you're not empty. I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been doing these things and I've been running miles for Jesus and I've walked around Jericho seven times and I blow the trumpet and still he's not filling. And I'm saying, and still that's not even telling you got, that's not what he's telling you to empty. That's not what he's telling you to do. Like seriously, I want to I wanna be more full. Any other fullers? You want to be filled up? You want to fill up? You know, it's like the gasoline tank that gets filled up and it pours out and you smell gasoline for months. I just want to smell good, though, forever, and just walk around like, man, something spilled. Yes, it did. <laughs> yes, it did. And if you get next to me, it's going to get on you. Just let it keep spilling. Because yeah. the definition of fullness to us is, oh, to the top, to the brim. 
But the definition of fullness to Jesus is that it overflows. We think fullness is, oh, as long as it's in the thing and someone jerks you a little bit, and then that's when you start to, to tip things over. But the Lord doesn't look at it like that. The Lord looks at it, you don't even need someone to touch you. All you need to do is walk around someone, and it's already constantly pouring out of you. My de definition of fullness is you're being poured out. All right. <clears throat> I promise you, these are things from the Lord. I wish uh, every single one of you can make a line and look at my notes. And these are just things God just drops in your heart and on a Sunday service. Like, where does that come from? Why didn't I think about that? Man, Lord, let us see this today. Guys, you should write this down. My influence should come from a place where it's less of me and more of him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. My influence should come from a place of where it's less of me and more of him. Like how cool would it be this? How cool would this be? Ready? When, that, when someone talks about you, they don't talk. <laughs> this is so cool. Maybe you won't like this. But I think this is cool. That when someone talks about you, <laughs> it's funny because they don't even mention you. That every time someone talks about you, the conversation always leads to Christ. Now the, the prideful person that's in here says, no, let them share a little bit about me. No. <laughs> stop, wanting, stop wanting to hold something still. That's very hard for some of you to let go. Some of you need to just let go. Some of you just need to let go. My influence should come from a place where it's less of me. You should say that. My influence comes from a place. My influence comes from a place where it's less of me and more of him. Barnabas was influential in his encouragement, and it led many to the Lord, as we see in Scripture, because he was a good man and because he was full of the Holy Spirit. We could say amen to that. And I believe this. I believe that he operated in the Holy Spirit, and he lived full of the Holy Spirit because we see that in Scripture. That he was empty of self. <laughs> he was empty of self. How do I know he was empty of self? Because in the time where Barnabas needed his land the most, <laughs> he sells it and gives away the money that he makes from it. Listen, when, when, when communism, which not necessarily wasn't communism in Barnabas' day, but you want to try to hide as much things as you can from the communist party. You want to do as much as you can so that they don't take everything away from you. But Barnabas, in the midst of persecution, knowing that they want to take his land, they're going to kill him, kill his very own family and friends if he, if he has any, which we know he has friends, but we don't know about family. But he sells everything he has and he gives the money away. You know that when he did that, if he had friends or family that were not believers in the way of the Lord, do you know how much backlash he got for that? Are you stupid? Do you know what Rome is going to do to you? Keep the money, hide it in a hole. Are you dumb? But, but for Barnabas, for Barnabas, it was, it was a better, he came from a greater place of honor because in giving, he saw it as worship unto the Lord. So he gives away stuff when in a time where he should hoard stuff. He should be hoarding things, but he's giving away of himself. And that is the reason why when the apostle said, who should we send, they could trust the one that gave all of himself. Because if not, he'll show up in Antioch and he'd be so full of himself in Antioch that God, he's of no use for God to use him. 
So I got to get someone that's empty. What a beautiful man Barnabas is. Being empty of self, I believe that. I believe that we see that. That being empty of self and full of the Holy Spirit, I wrote this down, will cause you to look less at yourself and it will take the attention off yourself. Look less at yourself and take the attention. How does the attention come off yourself? How do you look less at yourself? Well, be full of him. Because if you're full of him, then you won't be full of it. When you, when, when you want attention and when you want yourself, like you want notoriety, and look what I'm doing. Look how God's using. Look at all the, shh, don't be full of it. Don't worry about those things. Just give glory, give honor, give pray, be faithful in that. Be full of the Holy Spirit. And in being full of the Holy Spirit, you won't get mad when someone doesn't see the good that you did because it's not even for them to see it. It's for God to receive it. Barnabas lived like that. So he wasn't showing up over there encouraging everyone and winning them by the masses and showing up to Jerusalem and saying, hey, is my party ready? Because I brought masses to the Lord and I took pictures. I want a slideshow of everything that I did. What? No, that's full of it. And full of it, God can't use it. But if you're empty of self, if you're empty of self, man, full of the Holy Spirit, he's going to cause you to look less at yourself and he will take attention of yourself, off yourself. And you will live, man, so important, to honor the Lord and to finally please him, which in return, now you live pleased. How many of you are Christians and you live pleased? How many of you are Christian and it's very difficult for you to live pleased? Maybe I should read that again. Being full of the Holy Spirit causes you to look less at yourself and will take attention off yourself. So you could honor the Lord and please him and now you live pleased. When, when I want notoriety, attention, accolades, you to pat me on my back, I leave here stressed out, <laughs> anxious, depressed, because now my mentality says I need to perform. Yeah. Are you guys understanding this? I, maybe I shouldn't even get into that. Let me go into that. Because it's not to perform. It's to posture yes. and say I'm empty and you got to fill this man up. And that's where I'm happy at. That's where we live pleased. So much more I have to say. <clears throat> empty of self. How many of you can say Amen. As we discussed in week one, Barnabas understood the cost. Many close associates to Barnabas, many close friends, brothers and sisters were persecuted and were killed because of their faith. Do you remember week one? I, I really believe this. Barnabas and Stephen. Do you remember Stephen? Stephen. Barnabas and Stephen knew each other. I know that. I know that for a fact Barnabas and Stephen knew each other. And Stephen, I believe Barnabas loved him. And Stephen was stoned, killed. Do you see what I'm saying? Stephen wasn't the only one. We, have a, we just have a whole thing about Stephen, but he's not the only one. I believe, I believe this. I believe that Barnabas had a lot of people close to him that were persecuted, even killed for their faith. But please catch this. Barnabas is not shaken by the circumstances or by threats, and he has no fear what man can do to him. Instead, we see in Acts 11, what do we see instead? Not fear of man or what can be done to him. I need you to really catch this and to go home, please. Ready? Instead, we see in Acts 11, what's wrong with Barnabas? What's wrong with Barnabas? Ready? He's filled with joy. 
And he's encouraging believers to stay true to the Lord. He's not fearing man or what man could do. He's walking around filled with joy and just encouraging people. That sounds and looks crazy. He, why, why, how? What? Because Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. So he lived pleased because he was pleasing the Lord. Maybe your lifestyle of living pleased will be finally found at the moment where you recognize that make your lifestyle be one that is pleasing to the Lord. And in pleasing the Lord, I finally will live pleased. Not justifying sin. Not justifying lukewarmness. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He lived pleased. He was not moved. He was mature. And he was fixed on one thing. Everyone say mature. mature. He was mature. He was grown up. We know that about him. <clears throat> First Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Paul writes this. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong. Everyone say strong. strong. Immovable. Say immovable. Always work enthusiastically. Did you catch that? Always work encouraging. <laughs> for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do is for the Lord is ever useless. Be strong. Be immovable. Work enthusiastically. Amen. Here it is. I believe that lacking the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us causes us to miss out in operating in the supernatural joy that the Lord has for us. I truly believe that. That, that. that lacking the fullness of the Holy Spirit causes me to lose out and miss out in operating in the supernatural joy that we see in Scripture. How many of you agree with me? We learned that he was useful. I believe much was done in that usefulness. But I believe that that usefulness... It came from a place of maturity that was found in him. Say maturity. One more time. Because I want to talk about that for a moment. Because that's kind of where I want to wrap this up in, in maturity. See, it's hard to be useful. It's hard to be influential. Remember all those words we used? How about this one? It's hard to be encouraging while being immature. It's hard to be useful, influential, encouraging if I choose to continue to live immature. In immaturity, everything bothers me. Hmm? In immaturity, everyone offends me. In immaturity, I find difficulty in taking things serious, things of God. In immaturity, immaturity my words lose purpose because of immaturity that spills out from my mouth. And I believe this. I believe that, that true Biblical, godly maturity is a product of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so when you look at that, Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit. You need to recognize what that phrase means, full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit does not mean he was prophesying around the church. <laughs> Seriously, you need to study that in the Greek. Full of the Holy Spirit does not mean that he was speaking in tongues. Because many of you think, oh my gosh, fill the Holy Spirit. They're going to start speaking in tongues. That's not what that phrase means. It doesn't mean speaking in a tongue. It does not mean he was prophesying. It doesn't mean he was laying hands and casting out demons. Because he wasn't even doing that in Antioch. He was just walking and encouraging people. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. Many times we think that those are things of being full of the Holy Spirit. They could be evidences of being full of the Holy Spirit. But it does not define whether someone is or is not. Full of the Holy Spirit, 
Are you guys okay? How do I know that to be true? Because the Bible says that Jesus says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord. You cast, we casted out demons in your name, right? You, we casted out demons in your name. And he looks at them and says, but I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So I want you to make sure that being full of the Holy Spirit does not mean because you operate in casting out demons. Are, are you understanding that? And that phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, actually means you're grown up. And you're finally come to a place of maturity. The Holy Spirit has worked up a man and a woman of God in you. That's what that phrase means. So, you know, when, when people ask me, is your church a full of the Holy Spirit church? I mean, we're trying. <laughs> we're not, it's not trying to speak in tongues and prophesy. We're trying to lift up men and women of God already. Grown men and women. That's what full of the Holy Spirit means. That in this passage, it's, it's get to the place where he's filled you. What, what happens with this? Ready? If he's filling you, then you're what? Then you're, then you're what? You look like him. You sound like him. You live like him. You treat people like him. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, you are Christ. This, this is not unbiblical. You are Christ on the earth. You are Christ on the earth. Christ is still on earth. People are like, well, you know, when Christ used to live on earth, he still lives on earth. Well, you know what I mean. No, I don't. He lives in us on earth. Christ on earth, in us. Okay, that only comes with full of the Holy Spirit. We're full of, okay, let me get out of that because let me just teach you that. That's one of the many attributes of being filled with the Holy Spirit. One of them is maturity. Ready? I'm going to give you the definition, not of maturity, but of immaturity, just because I like it better. It says this. Immaturity is the state of not being fully grown. Immaturity displays the be This is good. Immaturity displays the behavior that is appropriate to someone younger. Um, example, being childish. Being childish. We preached here that we are all called to be childlike, but we are not called to be childish. I love when Paul is taking the context of love, and maybe I won't be able to teach this today. There's no way. But I might teach this in one of the upcoming um, midweeks, so you should come, because I'm going to teach more about maturity and about maturity and love. But you should come. So, But Paul, talking in the context of love, he had to face the truth in regards to it. And, and like I said, we'll get into that. But I want to I read a verse. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, look what Paul says. So good. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. Not childlike, childish matters. <laughs> For I saw things like a child, reasoned like a child. Oh, man. But there came a day when I matured. And I set aside my childish ways. Are, are you guys? I matured. And I, <clears throat> and I believe that Barnabas arrived in Antioch in Acts 11. And what people saw was this. I'm, I'm, this is my wrapping up. Ready? And what people saw was this. It was a man that was fun to be around. I know that. Who does not like to be around people that are always smiling? We do. We all do. 
Don't you feel good? Like, come on, just smile some more around me. Because life stinks sometimes. I just want to smile with you. This feels good. And it's good to get around people that just see good. Like, my, my wife is totally opposite than me. You know, she's confident. She's bold. She's, she's um, it's hard to hear her complain at times. I mean, I, I draw the complaint out of her. But out of that, she, she hardly complains. She carries a bunch of hats. And then I get frustrated and I complain for her. You're doing too much. You're this and you're that. She's like, I love it. Leave me alone. Instead of just saying, you're doing such a good job. <laughs> Instead of just saying, my God, I want to be more like you. You do so good. But I'm just like, stop it. You're doing right. Like, just let her be. We're going to shut up. Like, she's good at it. And she, she finds joy in it. And she's not complaining. You're complaining. Go home. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. And I believe that when he, Barnabas, arrived in Antioch, people saw He was fun to be around. I don't think he took like things so serious. I'm a man of God. You know, I came to encourage. So please don't joke around in front of me. No, I believe he told jokes. And I believe he was funny. And I believe, Why? Because I think that's part of being joyful. I think, I think part of being joyful is he was there and he was making jokes about Rome and persecution. Like That's not something to play with. It is when you take God more serious. You think they, they're a threat? Let me tell you a joke about Caesar. <laughs> what happens when Caesar crosses the road? And he's, you know. <laughs> he was a joyful man. He wasn't a sour grape. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't complaining always. He wasn't always bitter. He wasn't always... He found the place where he was full of the Holy Spirit and out of him became an operation. It was something that began to operate and it was the work of that which was alive in him began to manifest outside of him. And what was it? It was joy, overwhelming joy that all it did was encourage everyone he contacted. I want joy. Cool, get full of the Holy Spirit and get out of being full of it. Get full of the Holy Spirit. Come on, how many of us are here in the car of getting out of full of it and into being full of him? Hallelujah. So, so I wrote some stuff down. Ready? He was fun to be around. He didn't take life so serious that it was a drag to be around him, but serious enough. He wasn't such a jokester that when he spoke God's oracles, God's word, God's encouragement, that no one could listen to his words because you're a joke, man. He had fun. He had a good time. I like to have fun and good time and pick tricks on people. And, but then I hope that there's a weight that when I stand before you, I say, open up the word of God. Or let's pray. I hope there's a weight in that. If not, I've gone too far in immaturity. You guys are with me? He was fun. He didn't, he didn't take it so serious. But serious enough to draw people to Jesus. That's how I know he was mature. And it led them to encouragement. So, so here's some, some good questions to ask yourself as you, as you go home today. In your ride. Ready? Does your behavior match your faith? Or better said, does your behavior draw people near or draw people away from your preaching? Does your behavior draw people away from your words? Or does your behavior draw people into what you're saying? So when you invite them to lunch, you're like, I, I got plans, sir. Or I want to be around you. Because when you speak, man. It matches your behavior. It's authentic. It's genuine. It shows fullness of the Holy Spirit. Mature. All right. I'll wrap it up because you guys look tired. Here we go. 
<clears throat> Proverbs 9, 6 says, forsake foolishness and live. I hope it's just because they're like, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding, right? Isn't that a beautiful Proverbs? Forsake what? Um, the New Revised says it this way. Lay aside immaturity and live. What does that mean? What is he trying to say, this proverbian man? The proverbian man is saying that when you're immature, you're losing out on life. Wow. Be mature in what? Live right. Be immature and lose out on life. Yeah, I think I know what life he's talking about. It's the life, it's the, it's the realm of, of, of stuff that God wants to show you. But if you're immature, you lose out on life. What life am I talking about? The one that Jesus says, the one that I give, life and life abundant. Immaturity, you lose out on life, life abundant. Maturity, you take on life and life abundant. Man. Love that. I believe Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit, walked in the way of understanding. Same with us, that a life full of the Holy Spirit is given into the way of understanding and into the way of insight. Come on, guys. Understanding and insight. Discern. Have understanding. Have insight. Don't lead on to foolishness and walk around with foolishness. How many of you are hearing the whisper of, saying, of, of the Lord saying, come on, walk out of being a fool and just become a fool for me? I, don't, I, I believe that maturity deals with us. To, I think maturity gives us understanding. I think maturity gives us insight on stuff. I really do. I really feel like when you're full of the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit might reveal something to you about the issue. Wait on him. Come on, listen to this. Wait on him. Because you know what immaturity does? I'm going to act out on my own will, my own knowledge, and my own understanding. I'm good. I've dealt with this before. Watch when I get. You know, you know, I hope people that are listening to my podcast could recognize that some of their actions that they think are so righteous and so good are actually some of the greatest actions of immaturity. You didn't stop, shut up, think about it, and go into a chamber and wait for the Holy Spirit to show you what it, the right thing to do is. Sometimes we just got... what. what Maturity waits. Maturity hears. Maturity gives you understanding. Maturity gives you insight. Maturity does these things. What's well, maturity? It's being full of the Holy Spirit. I believe that. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Again, I'm going to repeat that. We are strong. Come on. We are immovable. And you work enthusiastically. Huh? <laughs> Tough crowd, man. You got to help your pastor every once in a blue moon. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, look what he says, ready? Then we will no longer be immature like children. Man, that is good. Let's really put it up for a moment. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 14 and, and 15. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. Come on, need listen to this. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Why? Because full of the Holy Spirit maturity gives you understanding and insight. So when the clever talks reach your ears, you don't pay attention because the understanding of fullness of the Holy Spirit says, shut them up because it's not biblical. It's not of truth. You know that some things are not said in the Bible so you can't learn it from learning theology and doctrine. Some things are just learned by walking in the Spirit. So some of you are like, I just need to go to theology school. And that's good. Go to theology school. You need to go to theology school. 
But some of you are like, I just need to go to theology school so I could just know. Do you actually think that that might do more damage if you go with that attitude? What you need to do is you need to start walking in the spirit and you'll see that the greatest teacher of all is the Holy Spirit. And with that, when you master that, go to theology, please. Go to seminary and study all the books you want to study. But walk in the spirit because the spirit wants to teach you. Amen? Amen. They will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed. Love you. I love you. He fell asleep, he said. You fell asleep? It's okay. You're tired. You drove the whole way over here. You're allowed to mess up today. <clears throat> he really did. He drove. Lou, how many hours did you drive in the morning? Four. And he drove the rest. You and Lou are allowed just to go like this every once in a while. Let's just go to sleep every once in a while. All right, but watch this. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us. Instead, verse 15, we will speak the truth in righteousness, in, in truth. We will speak the truth in, in, in biblical understanding. We will speak the truth because I go to church four times a week. No, we will speak the truth in love. That's so good. And he says, and that's my teaching, that part of being full of the Holy Spirit is love. But we'll get into that another day. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. See the image? You see the identification? Yes or no? Who is the head of his body. Ready? Fullness of the Holy Spirit makes us stable in our faith and in our belief. We're not to be tossed around or being or tossing him around. <laughs> one day we're at church, one day we're not. One day we're with the Lord, the next day we're not with the Lord. We don't follow every wind as it blows. And this is so important, especially for today and especially in the city and especially in the things that are happening around this city. Listen to this. We don't follow every wind as it blows and look for the next new thing, cool thing, or the in thing. Because I could show you where the next cool thing, new thing, and the in thing is at. Okay, but we instead mature, we grow up, and we fill up in him. Learning to make the Lord our greatest influencer, leader, and guide for our lives. Like children, we could always look to someone else to be led by. <laughs> but let's find the leading of the Lord through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Come on, aren't you tired of constantly being led by someone? Some of you are like, I'm going through it. I need so-and-so. I need spiritual mother to pray over me. I'm so-and-so. I need spiritual father to pray over me. What do you mean? Get into his presence and pray over yourself. Let's not always want to be led by others, though being led by others is biblical. Follow me as I follow him. Imitate me as I imitate him. I'm here to lead you guys. It's biblical. But my leading shouldn't be more than his leading. It's part of the work and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Here it is, verse 15. I'm going to read it one more time. Ready? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Amen. Say this with me. Less of us, more of him. One more time. Less of us, more of him. My goodness. Um, team, uh, you guys come up. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I'm going to skip everything. Here we go. I, I believe this. I believe that Barnabas had the supernatural 
work of the Holy Spirit living in him. Okay, I want to share something to you because I think this is so relevant to us. We don't know the maturity of his age, right? Like, please, I need you to pay attention to this. Can anyone in here stand up right now and tell me how old Barnabas was? What was the maturity of his age? Come on, what, someone. Nowhere will you find the maturity of his age. But what we do see in scripture is the maturity of his spirit. Don't look at your age or how many years you have under your belt and consider that a good measurement for maturity. Some of the most immature are the most churched. So don't let that be what marks your maturity. Don't look at your age. But instead, how about you examine our spirit? How about you examine your heart and you examine Jesus' words? Can I share with you Jesus' words? John 4, 24 says this. From here on, he tells the Samaritan woman, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but the right heart for God is spirit. And he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. Am I mature? Look at your life of worship. It reveals whether you are immature or if you're mature. Man, I don't know what else to say after that statement. Look at your life of worship. And that's it. That will declare, that will show you right now. Look at your life of worship. And that's going to determine whether you are a mature or an immature Christian. A mature or an immature man or woman. Well, you know, I just, I have my way of worship. Okay. God is spirit and those who worship him, worship him from the place of spirit and truth. And the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in me should demonstrate, please listen, a lifestyle of mature worship that operates in spirit and truth. Jesus had to teach that to the disciples. That there's, this is a good place to end actually. This is wrong. Jesus had to teach the disciples that their spiritual maturity was not measured. Lower that just a little bit. He had to teach the disciples that their spiritual maturity was not measured because they sat under his teachings. Come on, you don't think Peter thought he was mature? Seriously, you don't think Peter thought? How about with James and John? Like when Peter walked up to Jesus and said, you're no one to wash me, but, but I, will, I will wash your feet. And Jesus says, Satan, you listen to me. If you don't let me wash you, you'll never be able to wash someone else. And he says, okay, Lord, wash not only my feet, but wash my head, my whole body. You know why? I I think when when James and John came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't tell the other ten. But me and my brother were thinking about this over dinner. And we thought it would be a good idea. Can you do whatever we ask? What is that you're asking? He said, let us sit at your right and at your left on the day we go to glory. 
Peter acted in immaturity. James and John acted in in immaturity. God still honored them because they wanted something good. Don't get me wrong, but it was still immaturity. Still immature. And he had to teach them that, Peter, do you think, do you think that just because you sit under my teaching, you could tell me what to do? James, John, do you think just because I sent you to a city and you casted out some demons? Not seriously, guys. James, John, now you think you could sit on my right and on my left? So do you think that your maturity has anything to do with you just sitting under my teaching? How many of you ever thought about that? Do you think that your maturity has anything to do because you saw me do miracles? You have different stories to tell than everyone else? You're just a storyteller. They lack the maturity because I believe that they lost the wonder of being childlike, childlike wonder. They lost childlike faith. And Jesus always had to tell them, my God, if you just had faith the size of a mustard seed, that's all you need, mountains will move. Why do you lack so much faith? He's constantly telling them these things. Why? Because they, they missed that, those opportunities of growing in maturity. And sometimes some of the greatest spiritual mature individuals you will find is children because the Bible is not gray for them Jesus is black and white so my son I'll prove it to you so my son's good friend in school gets bit by a red ant I'm not lying and my son learned that same week I did a bad thing and I taught him about the lake of fire and so my son looks at him and says oh my gosh a red ant bit you I'm not going to say his name just in case his parents listen to the podcast and all that. But I mean, they know it's him. The red hand bitch, you're going to go to the lake of fire. <laughs> so <clears throat> he thought like red ants, that's, you're going to hell. Like for sure, my son. And uh, the, the kid starts crying. Oh! Jackson says, I'm going to the lake of fire. I got bit by a red ant. <laughs> like it was wrong theology. But you know what? I honor that. Because that kid has to think, am I going to make a fire or not? <laughs> this guy just, this little boy just told me I'm going to, I'm going on the Antichrist goes and where Satan goes. I'm going to make a fire and the teacher had to teach it the correct way. I mean, Zachary has some black and white thoughts. There's no gray Seriously, George and Ali, I'm not lying. There's no gray in the conversations he has with you in the car. Because I think God gives something to children like that. The disciples are grown up, you know. They're walking with Jesus. They're doing miracles with Jesus. They're feeding the 5,000 with Jesus. They're hearing his words. And Jesus is like, I wish you could be more like them than you are like you. Because in you feeling you're so grown up, you're actually such a little kid. I know that's biblical because in Matthew 19, 13, he had to teach them this. One day, parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples began to rebuke them. Get away, kids. Get away, parents. Don't you see this is Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus said in verse 14, let the children come. 
I almost feel like that's what he's saying right now to you. Let the child come. Right now. You could either leave out here like the disciples or you could run up here right now and you heard Jesus saying, let the children come. Come on, you guys, that you thought you were so mature that you missed out what the Spirit wants to teach you. You became so church that you missed out what the Spirit Lord says to the disciples <clears throat> let the children come not just come to anything let them come to me and don't ever stop them don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven listen belongs to those who are like these children their heart their faith their black and white no gray that's what heaven is full of. There was one that used to stand before me, a mighty angel. I wrote about him in Ezekiel and Isaiah, and he got full of it. And Jesus says, and one day I saw Satan fall from the throne like lightning. Immaturity touched the majestic guardian cherub called Lucifer. Immaturity touched his heart. Immaturity touched his heart. And immaturity said this, you deserve some credit. Listen, stop being in this church and thinking you deserve credit. I don't even deserve credit. You don't deserve credit. Let us come into a place of worship where our credit is erupted to our God. That's God. That's the stuff that got Lucifer out. Immaturity touched his heart. He had mighty wings, cherubic angel that covered the presence of God. The Bible says he was face to face with God's throne. And one day in his heart, immaturity stuck in. And he says, my throne will be greater than God's. I will elevate myself higher than the stars. I will be just like him. I will. And the greatest form of immaturity and lack of the Holy Spirit is when you think that you're of any, any, any good, anything in the sense of I deserve something in this process. At the end of it, like I shared last week, all of our deserving and all of our goodness and all of the righteousness and all of the honor and all of the praise whether we are sons and daughters or cherubic angels that stand before the presence of God our ultimate call is to never lose the heart of a child and stand before him and says all the glory goes to dad all the honor goes to papa all the praise goes to papa all of it goes to him all the it's all his. It's all his. Who am I to stand before a crowd and say, well, I'm the anointed one. No, he's the anointed one that anoints me. He's the anointed one that anoints me. Ask my wife how anointed I am when his anointing isn't anointing me. Ask her how stupid and filthy and vulgar I am but when his anointing anoints the anointed I'm just a child again I'm just crying again I'm just saying Abba and he's saying let the children come let them come to the place where it's not about them but it's about me again 
place where the place that when the place that when others reject them from coming in you know how many times I stood by people and, and I'm choosing right now to live a lifestyle with more of him and they're don't get next to me and try to reject that because he says don't you ever do that again tell the children to come to me maturity true spiritual maturity will cause others to reject you but it will cause Christ to call you to come to him Passion says it this way. Then they brought little children to Jesus so that he would lay his hands on them, bless them, and pray for them. But the disciples scolded those who brought them. Don't bother him with this now. Can I tell you something? Listen, I know you have plans and we have a meeting, but come and bother him right now. Come. Come and bother. Like, don't even wait for the altar call. Come and start bothering him. Start bothering him. Because the crowds were saying, the disciples were saying, the disciples were saying, the disciples were saying, don't bother him. And Jesus was saying, come bother me. Come bother me. Tell the children to come. What are you doing telling them not to bother me? I've been longing for the child to bother me. overheard them and said I want the little children to come so don't you don't never ever interfere with them when they want to come come on you know what I'm not gonna interfere with you wanting to come if you want to come listen you're I'm gonna be very honest I love you guys but this is better than whatever lunch plans you have than whatever Israel meeting we have I don't care about any of that right now this is better if he's saying come now your lunch fast your lunch doesn't matter Leave it just like that. It's good. No more darker. Just come. I want little children to come. Hallelujah. Don't interfere with them. I'm not going to interfere with you. I'm not going to give you plans later. I, just don't let any of that stuff interfere with you. Look what he says. Don't interfere with them when they want the kingdom realm of heaven. Unless he becomes like one of the... This, this he had laid on him his hands each of them and, and he went on his way he, he laid his hands on each of them I want the Lord to lay his hands on us and I want this to be a reality right here I, I want to enter I want to enter the kingdom realm of heaven right now I want to enter the realm of heaven Lord I, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I heard your cry over me today to say come Come, don't let nothing interfere. Don't let them interfere. Don't let your plans interfere. Come to me today. Come to me. How many of you are hearing that? Come on, let's get to that place. The altar's open. If you need to come, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come. And let there be a fire in your heart tonight, today. Come on, let there be a maturity that begins to swell up. Let there be a filling of the Holy Spirit that begins to happen. 
Come on, let there be a filling of the Holy Spirit. Man, if you got it all, man, and you guys out there, you, you have it all together, then feel free and from, from where you're at, just stretch out your hands. Stand up and you want, if you want, stretch out your hands and start to intercede and pray for these people. Lord, these are the ones that answer the call to be like children. Not to be childlike, uh, childish, but to be childlike, Lord. These are the ones that you're calling, Lord, to be full of the Holy Spirit, Lord. These are the ones that you're calling, Lord God. These are the ones that you're calling, Lord God, to. That nothing would interfere anymore, but that the touch of heaven would erupt in their lives, Lord God. Here they are, Lord. Lord, here they are. They've come to your feet. Embrace them with your hands. Embrace them with your kiss. Embrace them. Cloak them with your garments today. They've come today. They've come. They've heard your voice. Build up a maturity. Swell, Lord God. Just let it swell up in them, Lord God. Let it erupt in them. Let it not just be filled to the top, but let it overflow in abundance, oh God. Lord, here we are. We come. We come, we come, we come, we come.